welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Brian Driscoll with me here today. Brian, I appreciate your time as we talk about SEO and Google ads, Facebook ads, pay-per-clicks, what have you. This is going to be really interesting in information as we talk about motivated leads. And you can learn more at Brian and what his team are up to by going to motivatedleads.com. Really appreciate your time here, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So it's been a long time. In fact, we were catching up a little bit before the show. And uh, we. I hope you'll consider coming back because I think we could spend a whole episode just on motivation and mindset and diet and, and everything. Like That would be interesting. But like I said, we're going to be focusing on pay-per-click and, and, and SEO here today. As everybody with the market the way it is, we're all looking for better ways in which to stretch those ad dollars and making better use of our marketing. So for, for that being said, let's start with SEO. Could we, could we start there and talk a little bit about for those that are new to this concept, what is SEO and some of those, like maybe start with some of the basics, what should they be doing in order to stand out? Yeah, sure thing. So SEO is ranking in the free section of Google. So what you have when you, when you search Google, you have at the top, you have the ads. And then underneath that, you have like 10 listings, all free, free listings. You're not paying to be there. And what Google's trying to do in that section is they're trying to give the most relevant answer to the question somebody searched in Google. So for example, I'm in Pittsburgh. Is someone may search, sell my house fast, Pittsburgh. And what Google's primary purpose is to give them the right answer and relevant answers to bring people to the website. What this means for investors is though, if you can figure out how Google's choosing what websites to be there at the top, you can get free traffic, right? So in a nutshell, SEO is free traffic coming from Google or Bing, like any of the search platforms. So on the SEO side, like a couple tips, what you can do is number one, make sure your content on your website is unique. Like I know one big mistake I see with investors is they'll get websites like some of the template websites out there that come with all the content all written in them. And mm -hmm. it causes a problem with Google because Google's purpose is to get the most relevant answer. Well, if you have two websites with the same exact words in the same order, how do they know what, which one's what? And it's a really common thing, especially in the real estate investing space with duplicate content to give yourself a leg up, just go through and rewrite the content in your own words. So that's like one tip for you right there. Mm -hmm. Definitely finding that out. You know, uh, there's, there's real estate investing website providers. We use one of them, but yeah, we, we are, when we first launched, which was a number of years ago, we we just used their templated content and we actually ranked fairly high in our local market. But as more and more investors are using the same websites, the same content as that company has continued to grow, our rankings have dropped considerably. Right. And it's really important too. And then you want to think about relevancy in creating new content also. So I like to think about SEO and your website like a Christmas tree, like, like from the down top down. So your homepage is at the top and then you have pages that build out and branch out. So your top page, say like the star of the Christmas tree 
is the keywords, the core keywords, like sell my house fast, not even city related. It's just like sell my house fast. We buy houses cash and whatever the core phrases are you're targeting. First love win might be areas we serve. It's like, okay, I'm in Pittsburgh. So sell my house fast in Pittsburgh. And then I may have underneath that on this level, all the different boroughs in Pittsburgh, like sell my house fast in Baldwin, Bethel Park, Whitehall, Dormont, like all the different boroughs. And what you're trying to do is have every single page about one thing. So what you want to do is if you're saying sell my house fast in Pittsburgh, you want to have sell my house fast in Pittsburgh in your title tag on the top of your page, in your meta description, which is code that's not even visible on your website, where the meta description shows is in Google. Whenever you search, like they'll have the blue hyperlink. That's the title. And the meta description underneath that is a description of your page to get people to click to it. So you would have that keyword in the title, meta description, and then a couple times in the body content. And what happens is Google is crawling your page. It's like, okay, you have sell my house fast Pittsburgh in the title, meta description, and body content. Maybe your website, maybe this page is about that. So there's some things you can do to try to basically try to manipulate the search engine, but do it in the right way so that people, you get the right people coming to your website. You also want to make sure to make it really, really relevant. Don't just go for traffic. You want to think, okay, what's my audience searching? You don't want a whole bunch of people coming to your website looking for shoes when you're trying to buy their house. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. What do you think about like those sites and those website templates that we were talking about earlier? They often also leverage variables where you can change your company profile and then it just updates across the site. Is there anything to be concerned about regarding leveraging those variables? I imagine Google is smart enough to know. Yeah, Google's smart enough to know what's being populated. They can see the text there. I do like, especially for new investors, I do like the template websites because a lot of newer investors get held up in, what do I need to do? I got to go build a website. Then I have to design it. And before you know it, you have a $3,000 bill versus Mm -hmm. you can at least get in the game for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. Right. And then get into template websites, start tweaking things, but don't get paralysis by analysis on, I need a website. It's like, I'm a big believer in doing things. So like, if you're, if you're new in the business, just do it, get it rolling and then keep optimizing. If you're later in the business, then you want to get into more things like maybe building out your own platform. But I do want to stress that people new in the business to jump in and start doing it. The template platforms are decent for a start. And we run a lot of traffic through some of those still just rate, just make sure rewrite the content because a lot of the template websites, they're just built on WordPress. So it's a WordPress platform. It's just made easy for investors. Right. You know, have you, some of the stuff that I've, I've attempted or tried lately is using large language mo- model, like chat GBT or AI service in order to help me rewrite some of this content. Is there any value there or am I just perpetuating another problem? So that's a good question. If you're rewriting content with ChatGPT, it's better than having duplicate content. But the search engine also knows that it's written by an AI. There's different like fragmentations and sentence structures, things like that, that they can tell. So ideally, writing your own content based for the user is going to be the best. But also, if you're new and you don't have time to do that, it's better than having duplicate content that 100 or 1,000 other websites have, at least making it unique to start. Sure. So the service that you provide regarding SEO like this, what what do you do or how do you help investors accomplish some of these goals? So what we do is we do SEO for our own brands and we do it for a couple investors now, but we kind of steered away from that model a little bit. What we do now is we'll market and generate leads for investors and we just sell the lead on a paper lead basis. 
So it's because oh, okay. what I found with marketing, there's different ways to market, right? So you have SEO, which is getting free traffic to your website, but you're either paying a company to optimize your website or you're doing it yourself, paying with sweat. You have pay-per-click, which you're paying Google to be at the top. You have Facebook ads, which you're paying per impression. And what I found was you can pay a thousand or $2,000 a month for someone to run your ads and then ad spend on top of that. But you have an unknown. You don't know how many leads you're going to get for say $3,000. So what we've done is we created a model where we spend the money because we market to the whole nation. We can get leads a little bit cheaper because we're marketing a broad area and we give the investor now a known. It's like, okay, a lead's $300. You know what it is. And now you can, now you can guess it. Now you can make decisions versus I'm going to spend four grand this month and I might get five leads or I might get 20 leads. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So yeah, that does make sense. So when you hand over a lead to an investor at, could you give us an idea of quality? Sure. So here's what we do. We market like even like we'll use some of the, like carrot, for example, we're talking about template websites, even a website like carrot, what we'll do is we'll use one of those websites for our marketing. We send traffic to it. And we're, I try to overly be dramatic in my ads. Like I want beat up houses in the images, things like that. Someone clicks the ad, it goes to the website. The website's going to say something like, we're investors, we're not paying top dollar, but we can give you an offer. We get their name, phone number, email address. Then we send them to a second page, which is like, why do you want to sell? How fast do you want to sell? How, how much works your, your property need? Things like that. And the reason we do that, I like to use the website to disqualify people versus trying to get the most leads. So mm-hmm. that's one way, even if you're running your own ads too, don't make it really easy for people to fill out forms. It's better to get less leads and spend a little bit more on them to get quality. So what we do is then we generate that lead. Normally you would think we would send that to you and that's a lead. So what we do, we call it vetting. We, I, all my, my team has 120 seconds to pick up the phone, call that lead and confirm that they want to sell and how fast they want to sell and make sure it's quality. Because we found 25 to 30% of leads that fill out forms online either lied and they're listed on the MLS and they said they're not, they're a wholesaler, they're just fishing for a price, but they don't really want to sell, might be an agent. So what we try to do is we try to weed those people out. And then Mm -hmm. the end result is we send it to an investor and normally guys are closing like one out of 10. So if you say 300 bucks, you might have $3,000 per deal, something like that. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, especially like you have, they have 120 seconds in order to reach out and contact the seller. We've, we've learned, you know, I, in our, at least in our business, we've learned that the first five minutes is crucial. It's so crazy how important, especially if you're doing like Google pay-per-click or even SEO, a lot of sellers, a lot of sellers don't know there's a cash buyer out there. They're just Googling, how do I sell my house fast? So what they do is they go to the first website, they fill it out, and then they go to the second one and fill that out in the third one. So if you're putzing around and you don't call them for 30 minutes, but the second website called them in two minutes, you're out of the game already if they like that person. They're just not going to answer the phone anymore. Right. So what what type of information is your your people collecting then? They're calling to vet these people out. Do you have a script or something that they follow? Yeah, it's real simple. We're not being we're not getting into the lead management space. It's basically like, hey, you just filled out a form on our site. I'm just calling to confirm your information. Is your address 123 Main Street? And then also, how fast do you want to sell? And then when it, whatever they say there, if they pass the test, it's like, okay, great. Let me connect you with a local investor. They're going to reach out within the next 24 hours. Sure. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. So you, this is your core business now. You are, Do you do any investing yourself? Yeah, yeah. I buy and hold. That's actually how I got into this business. 
because my background is primarily, I used to do like national SEO for e-commerce businesses and like lead gen businesses and all different niches. And then I got into real estate. And I bought a property off a wholesale. I'm like, it's a $15,000 wholesale fee. And the deal made sense. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind paying the fee. But I'm like, I think I could get these myself. So me and my business partner, Chad, just put up a website and tossed a couple thousand at it to see, let's generate our own leads. And we crushed it. And that, mm-hmm. I, that evolved into me, instead of being a general agency, only dealing in the real estate marketing space. But I do buy junky properties. I like buying junkers, fixing them up, and I keep them. I do the Burr method. Sure. So just to remind everybody, motivatedleads.com, if you like what Brian is talking about here, as we move and transition a little bit into pay-per-click here, Brian, because I mentioned before we even hit record that that was a cash black hole when I attempted to do it with, with a local company. But if you found some value in what we're talking about here so far, do us a quick favor and share it with one of your real estate investing friends. So Brian, we tried a local company to help us with pay-per-click. You know, we decided, you know, this isn't something we're, we're not the experts in. We are house buyers, distressed property. You know, we am used to talking to sellers, not, not ad agencies. So we hired a local company in order to help us with pay-per-click. And I think what we ended up happening is, first of all, they didn't have the experience with investors. So we got lumped in with realtors. And in the end, you know, nothing came from it other than a, a big ad spend. Like how, how do people avoid that type of pitfalls and traps? Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up too. <clears throat> if you're going to do Google pay-per-click, you need to make sure that the ad agency understands real estate investing because the difference of ranking and bidding on a phrase that says sell my house versus sell my house fast is the difference of winning and losing. And in mm-hmm. pay-per-click, this is a very expensive space to play. Like you might spend 50 or a hundred dollars for one click, like for one person to click a hundred bucks, right? Right. And if you have people clicking that want to sell their house fast, it makes sense. If you have people clicking that are looking for top dollar, you're going to blow your budget really fast. And the phrases are so similar, like sell my house, sell my house fast, sell my house for cash, things like that. You want to make sure you pop up for some of them and not the others. Right. So could you kind of give us a little guidance there as to what type of questions we should be asking an agency to make sure that they're a good fit and they understand your business? Yeah, I would, number one, I would normally only deal with a pay-per-click agency that specializes in real estate investing marketing. There's only a couple out there or that has investing background, right? Like you, it's, it's so crucial. So I would ask, number one, do you understand what is real estate investing? What types of real estate investors are there? Like, are they familiar with the terms like Burr, sub two, flipping, things like that? Like, are they familiar with that type of thing? Do they understand what the difference is of a seller versus a motivated seller or a distressed seller? Things like that. And try to hone in. And if they understand like what a distressed seller is, that would be an agency you'd want to work with. You, you just need to have the ad because most digital guys don't understand the difference. Like you, you, you mainly need to have someone that's really ingrained in the space. Like reason I know is because I buy property. So I know what a, I deal with the sellers, but it's rare to find people in the digital space. A lot of those guys are just hanging in their basement, banging on a computer all day. They don't, they don't deal with beat up properties, you know? No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It, again, you know, it was one of those situations where they promised us the world and, and then it, it, didn't pan out. Let's say somebody wanted to try this. Like you said just a little bit ago that you and your partner 
threw a couple thousand dollars at it to kind of give it a shot and then you kind of crushed it. If somebody wanted to try this to kind of dip their toes in it and they they want to try to do it themselves, do you have some very basic like preliminary this is what you should attempt or try to do? Yeah, so if you wanted to dabble, if anyone was going to dabble online, I would start on Facebook first because it's cheaper. But in the Google pay-per-click space, if you're going to run your own campaigns, one thing that's really beneficial is Google. So you say I'm bidding on a keyword, sell my house fast, just for an example. Mm-hmm. Google's going to show it when that phrase pops up, but it's going to show a lot of different other variations. So based on what their algorithm thinks is relevant. So they have something on the left-hand side in Google. It's called search terms. That's going to show what are the actual phrases somebody searched to show my ad. And you're going to want to look at that, especially when you're starting daily and look for things like sell my, they may take your, your phrase that says sell my house fast and they may change it to sell my mobile home fast. And if you don't want mobile homes, you can take the word mobile home and put it on your negative keyword list. That means Google will never show your ad again for that phrase. So that's, And the keywords are, the the clicks are really expensive. So once you get that, the phrases out of there, it's going to kind of refine your list and hone it in. That's a huge tip. Just spend the time, like every day, go through that for in the beginning. And then maybe like every other day and build it out. But like, you're going to like our keyword list, the negative keyword list is probably like 10,000 phrases by now. But we just keep trying to refine and refine instead of telling Google exactly what we want, because the freight, because the space is so similar with realtors, we tell them what we don't want. Right. Yeah. It sounds like at least at first you have to spend some time to dial it in and make sure that you're, you're building this out and taking some action on it as you're, as you're progressing. Yeah. And give it like six months. If you're going to test it out, don't just give it a week and say that didn't work. Like Google's expensive. You have to have a budget for it, but give it time to try to figure it out also. Well, can you talk a little bit about an investment? Like what, what does somebody should, should somebody expect to spend on a daily, monthly, weekly basis, whatever it would be. Yeah, it's going to depend on the market. It's market specific on competition, but I'd say probably a minimum of fifty to one hundred dollars per day on Google, because the average cost on Google for a lead might be two hundred fifty dollars. So you want to give it Google at least enough budget to be able to show your ad enough to get a lead, right? Because you, mm-hmm. if you have a fifty dollar a day budget and the cost per click is fifty dollars, you get one click for the day. It might take. 10 to 15 clicks just to get a lead and it might take 10 leads to get a deal. So you can figure out the math. It, it, it can get kind of costly there. That's one of the reasons I say I would start with Facebook also because it's a lot cheaper. It's a different bidding platform. Sure. So one of the things that I noticed when I tried to run ads on my own at one point, I, I'm uh, at a couple ads got kicked out because I don't know if they, they see it as predatory or, or what have you, you know, like, like there's certain things is there something there that people should be aware of, try to avoid in order to, so they're not flagged in that way? Yeah, that's a good question too. So on Google and Facebook, you're limited on what you can target due to discrimination. So you're going to want to check like targeting on zip codes is a lot of times going to get you flagged, targeting on behaviors, targeting based on age. You have to basically go broad. You can't say, hey, I only want 45 to 65 year olds like you could if you were selling shoes. In this space, you have to target 18 to 65 plus, different things like that. So, and if you try to get specific and you don't play by their rules, they're just going to reject your ads. And if you keep doing it, they'll ban your account. Hmm. You said that you can be even targeting zip codes isn't, isn't like how broad do you have to be? Uh, you, 
we have a particular market we'd want to target. Yeah, usually you target based on county or a radius around a city. Okay, that's a way to get around it. Yep. So, you know, I'm going to change topics on you just slightly. You know, I find it interesting that you found your way to this niche where you're you're selling these leads and opportunities. How have you found it when you decided to pursue this as your business model? How have you, first of all, how have you found it to stay focused and not let the shiny object syndrome set in and you're chasing something else? That's a good question. So I found that I'm laser focused. Like I have like almost OCD on what I'm focused on because so in business, it's really easy to get caught up on shiny objects, right? There's all kinds of cool stuff out there. It's like, we can go after realtors. Let's start selling mobile home leads. Let's get into land and things too. My whole focus for 2024 is the quality of our leads. So it's not even, I'm not even focused on specific things. It's like, okay, what can I do for quality? There's a book, as Gary Keller talking about the one thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's my one thing. And if I pick one thing to focus on, I can usually stay focused on it if it's like an all-encompassing thing versus I want to make a million dollars or something like that, like a vague, vague number. So if it's like I want to be the best, it keeps me focused because there's no definition. It's not a repetitive thing. It's like I have to figure it out and it's a constant struggle all the time versus mm-hmm. If it's like, hey, I want to hit 20% growth every month and figure or like whatever it is, it's more different, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I do it. It's like, I want to pick something. For example, like we were talking about losing weight before, like my goal in 2022, 2022 was to lose weight. That was my year of health. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but then you just keep trying things. So you get to keep trying things. I guess you kind of get the shiny object syndrome there to fix a little teeny bit, but it's always for the one purpose of what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you early on, is it fair to ask you when you and your partner started this process, were you distracted trying to find your way? And then when you found your niche, that is when your business started to take off and started to grow? Yeah. So when we started, we were a marketing agency where you would hire to do your Google pay-per-click and Facebook ads, right? <laughs> so we were, and it was a repetitive thing. Because it's like, in, in your market, we're going to try running the ads. We test them. We just run your campaign. Cut and dry. There's nothing different in every area. Versus now, when we pivoted to the paper lead space, there are so many moving parts, like building out vetting departments, building out quality control, figuring out how can we call, like even the problem I'm dealing with today is we're vetting leads and we call from 412 area code where I am. We're testing now. It's like we need to find a software that will call the lead with the same area code of what that person's phone number is to get a higher answer rate. Sure. So it like keeps taking us down the hole and we keep getting to do a whole bunch of fun stuff, but it's still focused on the one thing versus before, before we even before I even got into the real estate space, I was a little bit more shiny object because I'd take on like attorneys, e-commerce. So it was like real scattered because I was mm-hmm. still just trying to make money too. You know what I mean? It was like, I was in a phase of, Hey, I'm, I'm in business. I, I need to take on clients to make money versus now it's a little bit of a bigger purpose. So if you had to do it all over again, would you have changed your approach? No, I think I had to fail a lot to like get here. Like if I would have yeah. skipped all the punches in the face in life, I think I have to grow into things too. It's like it, the, when we started our industry, I don't think I would have been ready to deal with the paper lead side of what this business is. I had to grow into it and experience everything to know what to do now. I don't know if I would have succeeded then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one of the reasons I bring this up or asking is because it it seems like time and time again, one of the core lessons from this show and, and other guests and actually in my own investing, it seems like everybody has had a an epiphany, if you will, or it it, it a, a surge in their business and when they decide on their core business. You know, when I was doing, when we got into real estate investing, we did exactly what you were suggesting. We, we did fix and flipping. We did wholesaling. We did wholetailing. We did, you name it. We were trying every strategy under the sun going in a million different directions. And every time we heard of a new tactic, we, we tried it, but it wasn't until we narrowed our focus and decided, okay, this is where our skills lie. This is what we do. That's when we saw far more consistency in, in the business and profits. Yeah, I 100% agree there too. Like when, when you're like, we 5X our business this year. It just, because laser focused on the one thing versus spending time on other stuff that's not going to get you anywhere. Exactly. So one more time, remind everybody, head over to motivatedleads.com. See what Brian and his team can do for you and help you with, with your lead generation. Brian, this is this is a great been a great conversation. But before we let you go, I'm going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. If you're ready for, them. let's do it. What lie do real estate investors tell themselves and others? That's a good one. What lie do they tell themselves and others? I think they tell themselves that they need to learn. They need to keep going and being like you need education. But I think a lot of real estate investors keep going down the education rabbit hole versus taking action. It's like they, they think they're not ready. And I get to keep learning, keep learning, keep learning versus just going and doing. Yeah. That analysis paralysis is real. Yep. Do you have a book recommendation or what are you reading right now? Book recommendation is Richest Man in Babylon. Number one book. That, that book changed my business life. I started making a lot of money after I read that. That's awesome. What is one tool you can't live without? One tool I can't live without is Slack and Asana. There's two tools. Yeah. We use Asana every day. Yep. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't drink. What single strategy, process, or tool have you implemented that has a direct time-saving impact on your business? A direct time-saving, I don't know, this isn't necessarily a tool, but morning meetings with my team has saved a ton of time in my business because we get I spend 20 to 30 minutes with them. And we handle so much stuff and it saves the whole rest of my day and everybody's on the same page all day long. Sure. Well, Brian, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I really appreciate your time and let me pick your brain on some things. One last time, head over to motivatedleads.com to learn what Brian and him and his partners is, is up to. And I've been trying to read the sign behind you there where it says we buy houses brian but you got buys crossed out but what does that say above it uh, it says we get houses for yeah it's a we buy it's a play on a bandit sign like we buy houses it says we get houses for real estate investors yeah okay awesome that n- thanks for clarifying that it's been bugging me the whole time <laughs> so that's my ocd so thanks again brian we'll talk to you soon Thanks for having me. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. 
You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.